0: I came in early this morning, and uh, I had the privilege of hearing the band practice, and I thought I'd record a little bit of it this morning and play to you. Um, now, the theme of this morning is about paying attention and listening, so I thought I'll play this clip and see how many different sounds you can hear, okay? So, the clip's going to come on, and I'm gonna, you can listen to the clip, and then I'll give you a minute just to talk to the person next to you and see how many different sounds you think you can hear. So, now I would say if you heard, okay, maybe under five, okay, then this morning you're probably gonna need to take some notes, because actually, if we have the next slide up, there were 21 different sounds this morning, okay? If you got all 21, let's see if they come up, when well, well done, and I expect yeah after the service today to me to be able to come up to you and you'll be able to pretty much quote my whole talk okay um now as we come to god's word this morning that i do really want us to tune in i want us to listen and pay attention to what it is that he would be saying to us so let's just pray Lord I thank you for um, bringing us here this morning Lord I thank you that uh, it's a privilege to read your word and it's a privilege to be able to hear you speak to us from it I pray Lord this morning that you'd open our ears and help us to really receive from you Amen Okay paying attention and listening something that we hear so often and I know as a primary school teacher listening is something that I expect a lot and I decided to do a little experiment one day in my class and see how many times I said to my kids to listen or to pay attention or shh, okay? And actually, it was a bit embarrassing because it was about around 30 to 40 times, okay, I had to ask them to listen, okay? Now, I hope that doesn't reflect on my teaching. Um, But listening is so important. And now you think if... OK, if I was someone who was really encouraging listening, then I must be quite a good listener. I'm afraid if you were to ask my wife, Kirsty, the same question, she'd probably have something different to say. Now, James, in his letter to these new Christians, highlights the importance of listening. In fact, this whole section of this passage is, called, uh, is titled Listening and Doing. So let's read this passage uh, and see what God is speaking to us about this morning. It's from 1 James, and verse 19, and it's going to come up behind us. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, so there's four things that I want to draw out from the passage this morning, and they are listen, clean up, live it, and continue in it. As we read in verse 19 to 20, it says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now James is writing to a group of believers from the early church, and we heard from Steve a couple of weeks ago that these were believers who had been um, persecuted and had been then dispersed through the nations. They were relatively still young in their faith. But it's evident from this uh, passage that James had real pastoral concern for them. In fact, the tone of the whole letter is one of real love for these new believers. He wants them to be distinctive. He wants them to be salt and light and different to the people that they're with. So why this focus on listening? Now, if we uh, go back through the Old Testament, there's so many examples of People in the Old Testament listening to God and God highlighting this importance of listening. The first person I want to just draw your attention to is Noah. Now, Noah was someone who we know walked with God, he's someone who had a relationship with with Him, but he lived in a real sinful world. Now, God turned up to speak to Noah in the middle of a hot, dry desert and asked him to build a boat. Now, Noah probably at this point had never seen a boat before, yet he listened to God. He did it. He built a boat and ended up saving mankind. Now, I wonder if Noah had just dismissed God and just thought, no, I'm not going to listen, what would have happened? Okay, where would we be now? Moses was someone else who we read really listened to God. In Exodus 15 verse 26, it says, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Moses is someone who, through all his life, was someone who really listened to God, and here his listening meant that the Jews at that time were led through a time of real trial and persecution. Now we've already heard this morning about this other character, Samuel. Now, Samuel was someone who, at about the age of 10, was already uh, serving the high priest Eli. And there's a story uh, about Samuel. One night, he goes down to bed, and uh, he hears a voice call him. Now, he gets up, and he goes to Eli, thinking that it's Eli calling him. But Eli says, no, it wasn't me, and sends him back to bed. Second time this happens... Samuel gets up, goes to Eli again. No, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. Now, I imagine for Samuel, he was still really young, only 10, and yet to, probably, yet to probably develop that relationship with God. And I imagine that hearing his name called in the darkness of his room was quite scary. So the third time it happens and he goes to see Eli, Eli actually realizes what's going on. And says to Samuel, next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now Samuel listens to the advice. The next time he hears this voice calling, says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God says so much to Samuel, so much that is so important in then what Samuel goes on to do. But the point I want you to hear from this is Samuel had to be supported in his listening. He couldn't do it himself straight away. And Eli had to encourage him and actually had to help him. I love that image of being helped in our listening. Because I feel all of us are coming at our listening um, at different points in our faith. Some of us are excellent at it. Some of us still need a lot of practice. Um, Recently, with our older youth, we've had such an encouraging time. We've been looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And... Uh, it's just been super encouraging to hear these 17, 18, 19-year-olds talk about how God is speaking to them and how uh, they have a relationship with God. And one uh, one evening, we decided to do a session on prof- uh, being prophetic and on prophetic words and the gift of prophecy. And as part of the evening, uh, Luke set up in the room we were in a silhouette of a man and a woman. And he asked us at the start of the session uh, to be looking at these two images and that they were a man and a woman in the church. And he challenged us and the youth to, uh, during the evening, be praying and really listening to God and see whether God dropped into our minds a name or a verse or a prophetic word or something for this this person. So we did that, and we spent that time listening, praying, And what was really encouraging is by the end of that evening, all of us came to the end and were able to share something. Now, some of the things that were shared were accurate and some of the things weren't. But the really encouraging thing was that we all had a go and that we all tried to really listen to God. And that listening is something we've got to use. It's something we've got to practice and develop in. Now, there's so many other examples of God turning up once people listen to him. And the exhortation to do this carries on into the New Testament. In Hebrews 2, the writer says, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Now, paying attention is an active thing. It's not passive I can say to the kids in my class, pay attention, and they may all look at me like you're all looking at me now. Okay? But I'm fairly sure with my class, not with you, that they aren't really listening. Okay? They're looking at me with gormless faces. Okay? Um, but that's not paying attention. Okay? That's not listening. To me, when I ask them to pay attention, there's got to be an action afterwards. There's got to be something that they then do. And for the children in my class, it's that they then know what they have got to do in their work. For us, what does our active listening look like? For those of you at the moment who are going through exams, okay, and maybe uh, doing GCSEs, A-levels, what's your listening like at the moment? I know for a fact that our young people who are going through exams pray to God and ask them to help, help them with their exams. But then are you listening? Are you hearing God? Are you looking at His Word and hearing the truth in His Word that says He is with you and He has perfect plans for you? Those of you who are young mums, how are you listening to God? Now I look at Kirsty, my wife, and I'm blown away by how much love and care she pours out onto Eleanor. But I also know for her that finding time to listen to God is, is a real challenge, something that is hard dads how are we supporting our wives with their listening how are we enabling them to find that time to really listening to god is it something we can encourage them in and mums when are you finding those few minutes during your day to really listen to god and cry out to him men and women who go out to work okay early in the morning until late in the evening okay often consumed by the jobs that we're doing When are we actively listening to God? When are we finding those moments? Maybe it's during the commute to work. Maybe it's the quiet few minutes of a lunch break where you can just stop. Or maybe it's just during the day. The job that you're doing, you're doing alongside God, and you're listening to him throughout. We've got to be listening to God. Just because we're at work doesn't mean God stops wanting to talk to us. We don't park him okay, in the car park and then go into our buildings. We don't put him on a shelf and then get him back out after work. He's with us the whole time. What's he saying to us? We need to listen, though. Further through that verse, James follows up his cry to listen with being slow to speak and slow to angry, slow to be angry. There was obviously an issue with the believer's uh, here in their ability to control their tongues. And this is referred to later on through James. I want you to think about your own lives for a minute. Are we quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Or for some of us, is it the opposite? Okay? Are we actually uh, slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger? I know that I often do not listen quickly, but react. And the consequence can be negative, and it easily then does lead to anger. What does your listening look like? Listening to God requires action, whether that be that actually we need to slow down and be slow to speak and slow to anger, or whether it be that we have to put something into action. Maybe actually you're here this morning and you've not actually ever committed to listening to God at all. The concept of hearing from God is just something that you've never even thought about. It says in Romans 10 verse 13 that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to believe that this morning, that calling out to God and committing to him, beginning to listen to him, will be the best choice you could make. Those of us who already are believing, how much are we actually listening I know that even in preparing for this talk on listening, okay, I thought, oh, great, a talk on listening. My last talk, okay, I really struggled with, okay, but this on the transfiguration, my last talk, okay, I had to do a load of research. But this talk, very practical, I thought, excellent, God is going to give me things really clearly, okay, but actually it was a real struggle, Okay, listening to God was hard. I'd get up and do my quiet times early in the morning, sit down really ready to listen, and then I'd make the mistake of getting out my phone to look at the Bible, my Bible app, and actually i 'd see that I had a notification for stupid games that I play. honestly, a waste of my time and i 'd spend some time playing on a game, and that would delay about ten or so minutes and then i 'd think oh i 'd just just check Instagram and then there 'd be a picture of some meal that someone had had the night before, and i 'd start planning in my head the menu and oh i 'd really like to have that burger for dinner and 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 then I'd look around the room and think, ah, I didn't tidy up that bit that Kirsty had asked me to, and ah, I'll tidy it up now. And before I knew it, I need to shower and get ready for work. And so my listening had been really hard, and I wasn't prioritising it. I was coming to those times thinking, right, God is just going to do things, he's just going to speak to me. Actually, I had to prioritise it. I had to go, no, I'm determined, I'm going to sit down and focus on you, God. And surprise, surprise, in doing that, God spoke to me, okay, and I heard from him. But the other thing that it made me realise is that I had to get my life into the right place. I had to sort things out in order to hear from God. It brings me on to my second point, which is clean up. Now, I said already that listening should be followed by some kind of action. If I listen well, then I know what I've been asked to do. If I don't listen very well, uh, then I sometimes try and do something helpful, but inevitably it wasn't the right thing, or sometimes I just don't do anything at all. Okay. Now, a little example. Um, a few years ago, Kirsty had a big sort-out of her clothes, and uh, she sorted them out, and she put them in bags, and she left, she left them at the bottom of the stairs. And she said to me, Matt, I've put some clothes um, that I want you to take to the tip Uh, at the bottom of the stairs and there's a bag by the door that has got all of my really nice clothes in that I want to give to a friend. Now, I decided to switch off at the point of there's some clothes at the bottom of the stairs to take to the tip, which is what I did. So I thought, excellent, I'm going to get husband points, I'm listening straight away Okay, I'm going to grab all these bags now, I'm going to put them in the car, I'm going to go to the tip, I'm going to come back, and Kirsty's going to be so impressed because I did what she asked straight away, and I listened, and it's going to be amazing. So I grabbed all of the bags, went to the tip, came back, and proudly announced to Kirsty how i had taken all her clothes that she'd asked to the tip, to which I was met with a not-so-pleased face. All of the bags? Yeah, whoops, all the bags. So, it's not often very easy with our listening. It requires us to act in the right way. James lets the believers here know that their listening needs to be followed by some cleaning up. Verse 21 says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted in you. Now, just as James sees listening as key, he also sees this process of cleaning up as key. Moral filth at this time would have been similar to what we face now. James and the believers he'd wrote to would have been having lustful thoughts, something that is still something we struggle with now. Another example may be coveting things that are not ours. Our hearts' desires change from desiring God to maybe desiring the perfect house perfect garden, perfect car, the perfect image and, or job. And we as well now live in a world where evil is widespread. It's all around us. It's in relationships that we see break down. It's in relationships on the world stage that actually we see being damaged by violence or greed. And it's in the focus on self rather than on God. One commentary I read said how James is calling for a purity in relationship with God because he sees the life-threatening danger of sin and the life-giving value of faith. Life-giving, what a great phrase. Following Jesus and listening to him is life-giving. This cleaning up, though, isn't just a spring clean. It's not one of my cleans, which is a dust around the edges of things. Okay, but it's a proper underneath the furniture, moving the cushions. It's that kind of clean. James actually uses the word rid yourself when he talks about how to clean up. Now, this is quite a clear and precise instruction and something that's actually used later on by Paul in Ephesians 4. I think this verse is going to come up. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness now we need to understand this morning that repentance isn't just a feeling sorry for a sin that's been committed but it's actually a sorrow that moves us to change it's got to be something that has an impact. We've got to change direction. We've got to turn around and make a choice to shout out to God and say, living the way I have been is not something I want to do anymore, and I'm going to change it. And cleaning up and avoiding this moral filth isn't just a call to pray prayers for God to keep us safe, but actually that God would keep us pure. Okay? Those things wouldn't even impact on our lives. And we read of someone who went through this, uh, it's is Job. Now in Job uh, 31, Job is crying out to God, telling him all that he did to try and walk in the right way. Now I wrote down some of the things that Job cries out, they include not looking lustfully, not walking with falsehood, not letting eyes lead his heart, not being enticed, not denying justice, not denying the poor, Not keeping things in a selfish way, not putting trust in gold or rejoicing over wealth, not rejoicing at enemies' misfortune, not allowing mouth to sin, and not concealing sin. Now, Job, in all of his troubles, did all he could to please God. That's such an amazing list to be able to go, look, I've done this. I wonder how we stack up against those. When you heard those different things, maybe there was one or two that you thought, oh, I've got to clean up that area of my life. Now, James had that desire for the people he was writing to. He longed for them to have this moral courage and strength of conviction in the face of the sin that they were facing all around them. He wanted them to show love to people. Is that what you long for too, for yourselves and for those that you love? Do we pray for strength not to join in with gossip? believe the best in people when others aren't stand up for people whose motives are being questioned when they're not there let's actually have this cry from psalm 51 which is coming up uh, in our hearts and it says create in me a pure heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me from your presence or take your holy spirit from me Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, of course, doing this cleaning up is actually quite a hard task. Okay? The thought of really having to sort out our lives is challenging. But James lets the believers know that the next step in doing this is to humbly accept the word of God planted in them which can save them. We've got to have we have that same promise now the word of God is planted in our hearts and we're to believe in its power and humbly accept its power in our lives now the believers that James is writing to needed to have that heart of teachability okay readiness to submit to the word where are our hearts at when it comes to reading the word Do we approach it with humility and teachability, ready to receive what God is saying? Or actually, is it read with no real desire for it to impact us? Is it just something we do out of a sense of obligation? And the other thing to realize here is that in the verse, it draws attention to the fact that the word is planted in these believers. It's there already, and it's something that, for us, once we believe in God, the Word of God is planted in us. In the um, New King James Version, it uses the word "in." Uh, it talks in 1 John about how the Word of God abides in believers. It lives there. It's where it belongs. But something that is there, that is living in us, it does need nourishing. It needs looking after. It needs tending to. It needs using. And she takes me on to this, uh, to my third point, which is to live it. Now, verse 22, I think one of the best verses I've found in the Bible, it says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so dece- deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's quite a clear instruction here. James doesn't beat around the bush, just says, Do what it says. And some of us, I think, sometimes. We, just, we read the word, but that bit where it just says, do what it says, we maybe ignore or don't think about. Um, James talks about listening to the word, but then doing what it says, being like a man who actually looks in the mirror and then turns away and forgets what he looks like. Now, this isn't meaning literally that you look in the mirror and turn and forget what you look like, but it's that when you turn around you forget that you are made in the image of God. Some of you may have been to the fairground and seen those mirrors where when you look in them, it shows a bit of a distorted view of yourselves, a bit like these. I think they're going to come up on the screen. Okay? If you've taken children, they find much delight in them. That's just me. That's how I look at the moment. Oh, here we go. Okay, those type of mirrors, okay, where we look in and actually it shows a bit of a distorted view of ourselves. As amusing as those pictures are, okay, the point I want to make from thinking about these mirrors is that sometimes we look in the mirror and see just a disjointed, okay, distorted and false view of ourselves. We forget that when we look in the mirror, what we should be seeing back is someone who is made in the image of God. So this question, let's get rid of my face on that screen, um, is what do we see when we look in the mirror? For you, what is it when you look in the mirror that you see looking back? We might look in the mirror and actually see the imperfections and blemishes and things that have been caused by sin in the past that we just can't get rid of. We look in the mirror and we just see those sinful things. We may look in the mirror and see the person who we used to be. We think, ah, if only I could be that person. That was a better version of myself. I wish I was like that. I struggle when I look in the mirror at seeing the person who I want to be in the future. I look in and just, I can't stop, but... Thinking about oh, I just I need to get to that position, or I need to have that job, or I need to have that house, and I just look far ahead in the future. And while that's great and making plans is good, it actually stops me from just realizing who I am in God now, who I am at this point in time, and who God wants me to be in this moment. You might look in the mirror and see another person. A completely different person who actually you're aspiring to be or comparing yourself to that's not healthy either you might look in the mirror and see what you believe to be an imperfect view of yourselves and then actually hurt yourself in order to try and improve yourself none of these things are what God wants when we look in the mirror we're to see God looking back we are made in his image We mustn't believe the lies that the devil would try and tell us about ourselves. But believe that truth, that God has formed us and has a perfect plan for our lives. The um, Freedom in Christ materials are, are great. If you haven't been through Freedom in Christ, I really recommend it. And there's some verses that I want to highlight to you that help with this. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 to 22, says I have been established anointed and sealed by God in 1 John 5 verse 18 I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me I want you to think this morning about that that mirror okay what is it you see when you look in the mirror are you seeing God looking back I love James's instruction in verse 22 as I said to do what it says How often when we read the word do we then do what it says? Now I hope for all of us we'd be able to say, yeah, I read this and I have done what it says. However, I know for me that I'm convinced that I could be uh, doing it a lot more. We read about being generous. Now when did we last give in a way that made us slightly uncomfortable? Or when did we open up our home to someone who we saw was in need? We read in the Word about being a forgiving people. And is there someone who, maybe at work, you're holding a bit of a grudge against, and you can't let it go? We need to be forgiving. Or is it a family member who actually has let us down in some way? But we read in the Word we're to forgive. We also read about being loving. I wonder whether there'd be anyone in here this morning who could stand up and go, so-and-so has really shown me love Bye. Hey, we should be able to do that, should be able to give testimony to people being loving to us. We read about being joyful. When did you last smile? Just because. Okay? Uh, when did you when during worship just really praise God for all He has done for you and just be joyful? Now I read recently this quote that said, We don't want to be a hot tub church where all we do is sit and soak. Now, I love hot tubs, okay, I'm sure most of us do, but I hate to imagine a room full of us all have just, all we do is sit and soak in a hot tub, okay? I don't think any of us would look that great, okay? We have to get out of the hot tub, okay? We have to get out and we have to put things into action, not just keep soaking it up. We have to take what we've read in the Word and live it out rather than just hold it in, hoping that maybe someone will notice we're slightly different. Or maybe I'll try and shout out some truths, but from the quietness of my own home, under my breath, a quiet prayer for my next-door neighbour who lives over the road. No, let's get to them. Okay, Let's live this out. Now, I'm speaking to this to myself okay? as a challenge as well. I have no way got this right. Okay? And I know that there's so many things in the Word that I... I need to live out and I do really long to do that something in my heart that I really want to see happen Um, I was speaking recently to a friend of mine who had gone and visited another church um, to see some friends and had been to their church and during the worship uh, someone from that congregation had come up to my friend and had offered to pray for him and had ended up sharing a prophetic word with him that was so spot on And really impacted on his life, and was such an encouragement to him. That woman in that congregation had decided not to just sit or lay or whatever in the hot tub. Okay, she decided to get out and to put what she'd read in the Word into action. Okay, now I know that that's happening in our church. Okay, but we want to see more of it. We want to see more people, maybe during worship, going round. I know. Um, Jim is brilliant at this with our youth okay, sometimes to the point it's a little bit frustrating during worship that he's just dotting around and praying but it's great he's taking that opportunity to go and pray for people okay, where are we doing that? are we going to people and sharing prophetic words with them? are we building them up? are we encouraging them? are we, uh, when we're praying for healing okay, really expecting it sometimes we don't see those answers to healing straight away But are we getting up into people's lives, going, "Ah, I heard you had a headache this week. How are you? Has it still got? Oh, let me pray for you." Okay, let's live this out. It'd be great to see it happen more and more in our church. Okay. The fourth point. This is my last point. James doesn't just say to his believers to live it. The second half of verse 25 says, The man that continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. I think it's great here that James uses that word, continue in it. It's something that's clear. Making these changes to our lives isn't just a one-time fix. It's not that we hear something from God, we listen to him, clean up, Start to live it, but then it's done. Something we have to continue to keep coming back to, keep uh, putting into practice. This instruction is also given in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 by Paul. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Now this is hard. We're living... Uh, in sin and we're not perfect however it should be something we strive for we should want to put into practice the things we read in the word continually we should want to live it out all the time this whole series of points is something that we need to continue to do through our lives it's a cycle now C.S. Lewis um, says this he gives this really good quote says relying on God has to start all over every day, as if nothing has yet been done. Relying on God is something we put into practice all the time, each day. Our walk with God starts afresh each morning. And doing what James urged the believers to do is a continuous process. We have to listen continuously, not just the one-off. Now, I don't expect my daughter Eleanor... Okay, to listen to me first thing in the morning when I say to her right we've got to get dressed Eleanor she goes through and picks out some clothes and she's listened to me but then the rest of the day choose to ignore me even though sometimes I think for me and Kirsty it feels that that's what she does but I don't expect it if she was actually to say to me but daddy I listened to you this morning when you said get dressed and I thought that was enough And then I stopped for the rest of the day. Now, I think I'd definitely have to put some slow to speak and slow to be anger in practice there. And It's the same with God. We don't just say to him, right, I'll listen to you in my quiet time this morning, but then the rest of the day switch off and then park him, like I've said, until the next morning when we have our quiet time. Or maybe as we say, right, I'll listen to you, God, on Sunday when I come to church. Okay, or... When I book onto that Christian conference, when I go to West Point in the summer God, that's when I'll really listen to you. I've allocated that time. Now there are points when we do have to maybe really tune into God and listen to Him, because we're praying for something. Can okay? we really want to hear from Him about a situation? But the listening to God should be a daily process, something we live all the time. Someone once prayed over me when I was a teenager, this prayer. They, they prayed that I wouldn't miss the opportunities that God put in front of me each and every day. And it stuck with me. Now, it's not something I've got right each and every day. Please don't hear. I don't go out each day and feel, right, God, the new day, I'm ready to receive and to, to walk. Like Luke did that illustration, I'm ready to walk on my path and see all the people. But I try, and I'm trying to put it into practice. Some days I get it right, and some days I don't. I want to not miss those opportunities that God's put in in front of me. We always face situations where we'll need to stop and really listen to God, as well as spending time listening to him daily. We'll be provoked about something or challenged by something we've heard that makes us listen and sit up makes us realize that there's an area of our life that needs cleaning up. This is going to happen throughout our walks with God. And as we continue to strive to see more and more of Him looking back at us in the mirror, okay, we're going to have to keep putting this into practice. Okay, we don't get it right all the time. We've got God's grace that can help us. Okay, but let's be a church who strives for this, who really wants to listen to all that God is saying. Now, I know doing this alone is, is hard. I've got God on my side. I've got his word that is an encouragement to me. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, which helps me put this into practice. And I've also got you guys here as my church, as a group of believers behind me to give me encouragement. We're here for each other. And I'm excited to see the journey that we're all going on as a church, individually, as church, Groups, okay, but it's exciting to see and to be thinking about where God is taking us and how that word that we read has been planted in us is going to come to life. I'm going to ask the band to come up, please. Um, as I was preparing for this uh, talk, I was praying that God would just speak to me about how we respond. And the image that I had in that third point about the mirror was something that really uh, stuck with me, and something that has yeah really impacted me in the last few weeks. As we go into worship, I want you to really be thinking about that picture of looking into a mirror and what it is you see when you look in the mirror. Maybe some of those examples that I gave, I gave you uh, are you, Maybe it is that you look and see that past version of yourself. You look and just see sins that you have committed and you can't see God. Maybe it's that future version of yourself you're living towards. Maybe it's the comparison. Maybe it's something else. I want you to be thinking, is it that we're seeing God when we look back, when we look in the mirror, we're seeing God looking at us? And we need to hear his voice and listen. Look in the mirror and focus on God and focus on him living and abiding in us. Can we stand and James is going to lead us in a song.